What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Inner Athlete. This is episode number 58, and today's episode is going to be another guest episode. Today, I have sleep specialist Nick Real on to help you guys uncover some of the issues with not getting enough sleep and hopefully help you guys find some ways to optimize your sleep so that you can look and feel your best in your daily life. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the episode. Uh, this is a Q&A type of a session, so you are going to hear a lot of back and forth. But if, in particular, if you have other things that you want to know more about in terms of sleep, I'm also going to put Nick's information in the show notes so you guys can reach out to him individually. And that's about it, guys. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Is there anything in particular that you guys would like to know tonight or that you have questions about? You can either put it in the chat. Uh, and I'm also going to make, I think I can make Nick a, a host somehow. Nick, if you don't know me, you'll know that I'm very technologically not inclined. So I take like five minutes. Me to too. Something. So I was trying to see there is, if, in, God, in case you had this, in case you wanted to share anything, I think there's ways for me to make you a thing. But does anybody have anything specific that they had questions about tonight? Are there any good supplements? That was the question. And she asked about melatonin. That's a good question. I like that. So sleep supplements, uh, which is probably, and it's a question, I actually got this question in my DM the other day and it was maybe like, I really got to get. So guys, just so you know, I've been trying to coordinate with Nick for a long time and I'm always like, yeah, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. And I finally like just pulled the plug, like, hey, let's do this. Let's, let's get on a Zoom together. Let's chat. You, he's a wealth of knowledge in sleep and I'm going to be honest for myself. Um, there's period earlier this year where I was like texting him almost nightly. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I go through like one or two nights and then it's like back again. And you know, this, so he helped me out a ton. Um, and it's a, it's a work in progress guys. Sleep is not something that we didn't develop sleep issues overnight. They don't get fixed overnight. And so, and it's really trying to identify those triggers and, and what's really affecting your sleep. And, and I think more importantly is I know the importance of good sleep because I know how good I feel when I am very rested and I know how not being rested affects my mood, my ability to be productive in my life, the way I feel. But I think for a lot of you guys out there that are honestly just looking to look and feel your best, you don't understand that correlation. And it's so hard when I have somebody that's doing all the right things in their nutrition and all the right things in their training. And I'm like, Hey, the missing link is you're not sleeping enough. And they're like, well, how does that make sense? They don't understand. And I know that Nick is going to have a ton of stuff to go over. So uh, Nick, do you want to kind of just start by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about you and, and honestly, what makes you so interested in being a sleep specialist? I know everyone likes asking that. Why sleep? That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, guys, uh, my name is Nick. I have been a health and wellness coach via fitness and nutrition for just shy of 15 years. As Cheryl said, yes, my niche is sleep. Was that my intention to go this road? No, not so much. Uh, I had terrible sleep problems for about two and a half years, about three years ago. And it literally almost like cost me my life. So that's where I developed the passion for this because I vividly remember when I got that first night of like, what I would deem then as like great sleep. Now I'd be like, meh, it was better. But just waking up and feeling like, oh shit, there's actually hope. Oh, this was the missing link that I have been searching for for so long. And when I woke up, like I knew that I needed to tackle this topic with all my clients and it really propelled me into a totally different direction that I didn't expect. And here we are. 
I am going to give you guys all the information and knowledge and value you want in regards to sleep. Sleep is a very individual topic, just like nutrition. So as Cheryl, Cheryl and I converse back and forth, if you have any like specific like on the spot questions, anything that comes to your mind, please don't be shy. Post it in the chat, interrupt us. We want to give you guys as much tangible take home value as we possibly can. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Um, so honestly, that sounds awesome. And like, agree. Like, I think that we all as coaches, we end up falling into the niche of like, Hey, the things we have experienced are the things we end up wanting to help the most with. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to ask you is how many of your clients do you find have sleep issues? All of them. Like yep. legit every single one yeah. has a sleep issue yeah. or has had one. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy. Cause a lot of them, um, and the ones that have the worst are the same personality super high, strong, working a lot, wear a lot of hats in their life. Um, kind of like going from some, sometimes it's females that are going from like working a full-time job and then they're going to like take their kids to practice and they're cooking dinner at nine o'clock at night. And then they're trying to check emails. And it's like, they're always like on the go, 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 go. So, so I guess to just go ahead and start by talking about, I mean, I have a couple of questions that I, I feel like you can kind of dive into more specifically is you always hear like the optimum sleep number is like seven to nine hours of sleep for the average person. I think you and I both know there's a lot of research that like debunks that. Um, and maybe you can kind of go into a little bit more about that sleep, that sleep I've got to get seven hours, I got to get nine hours and, and how, like you mentioned that there's such a difference in everybody from person to person, the amount of sleep that they actually need. Yes, absolutely. So it, it is thrown out there in the health and fitness land and especially like if you just google anything sleep related it's like the gold standard is seven to nine hours but nobody really knows where that came from so i'm going to tell you where that came from about 20 years ago there was a meta-analysis of a whole bunch of studies done so this one study get a little of this studied a whole bunch of other studies that studied a whole bunch of other studies wrap your brain around that and they had everything to do with sleep and like how, how long do humans need to sleep? And the general consensus for healthy adults at the time, which was, by the way, 20 years ago, varied from seven to nine hours. This varies greatly on genetics, varies greatly on lifestyle, varies greatly on stress. So when it comes to identifying how much sleep you need. We're not even gonna talk about how many hours you need. We're gonna talk about how well you are sleeping because how well you're sleeping is going to indicate how long generally you need to sleep to get that high quality rest. If it was just a game of numbers, we'd all sleep for 12 hours and feel like a billion bucks. And let's just have the zoom right now. Well, that's not the case whatsoever. And the three metrics that I have all of my clients use and that I highly suggest every single one of you guys use are, do you have issues falling asleep? Ideally, when your head hits that pillow and your eyes close, the less time it takes you to fall asleep, the better. Generally speaking, anything over 20 minutes can pose as a quote, red flag. Can, not always the case. Second, are you sleeping all the way through the night or are you waking up throughout the night? If you're able to sleep all the way through the night, amazing. That's ideal. And then the last one, are you waking up feeling refreshed? 
if you can check the green box, the check mark, whatever you want to call it, give the green light for every single one of those, your sleep quality is very high, good, then calculate how long you're in bed. I guarantee you it's going to be a consistent time frame. Time frame, not consistent time every single time. Because your body, it's let's say if your sleep quality is like seven and a half hours, there's going to be some times where that's going to be eight. There's going to be some times where that's seven. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Allow for variances. Don't look into the details too, too much. As long as you're feeling great, your sleep quality is high, and that's ultimately what matters most. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is almost like an experiment that people should do if they do live a very high stress job on the weekend when they don't have to wake up to an alarm clock. They don't have to do that. But that's typically when people are like, I'm going to stay up an extra two hours and watch TV and then I'm going to, you know, do it, you know, do my thing. And so I, I really feel like that's something that honestly, all of you guys should experiment is actually taking a night where you don't have to be anywhere first thing in the morning. You don't have any like anything that's keeping you out late at night, going to bed when you feel your best and when you wake your best. And I, I've honestly been doing, and I think you actually told me about this a while, but it's like cr- the chronotyping. Yes. Um, I've been diving into a little bit more about like chrononutrition and, and mm-hmm. my own sleep. And, and I'm a dolphin, by the way, which if you guys want to hear about more about chronotyping. <laughs> Hell yeah, you are. So, um, <laughs> but that's actually helped me a lot in the last couple of months, figuring that out because the way chronotyping works is it you figure out like when it's like the optimal time for you to go to bed, when is the optimal time for you to wake up? I am, I need to be in bed early. I need to be up early. That's how my body regulates best. I know this is going into a little bit of a tangent from the actual hours of sleep, but I say that because when I mentioned taking the time on the weekend, when do you feel natural? Like it's time for you to go lay in your bed and, and go to bed. For me, I figured out that the chronotyping of going to bed earlier works for me because I am up by nature no later than 6.30 a.m. 6.30 to 7 o'clock in the morning is me sleeping in. That's like the average person sleeping till like 9 or 10. So I know that for me to feel good, and I know, like you mentioned, there's no optimal hours. I like to consider myself an elite athlete. I know that seven hours of sleep is not enough for me. I feel my best when I get eight to eight and a half hours of sleep a night. Do I get that every night? No. Do I try and get at least seven and a half hours? Yes. And it's because my, like he mentioned the sleep quality thing. I know that for me, my sleep quality is not great. He mentioned about the waking up throughout the night. I wake up a ton throughout the night. So if you guys, you know, and and I'm going to ask you this question about like sleep trackers and stuff. I wear a whoop strap and I think that this data is more accurate than my Garmin watch. Cause you know, my Garmin watch would say, Cheryl, you're sleeping eight to nine hours a night. I was not sleeping through the night. There was no way. Cause I was like, there's, I am not. There's no way I'm getting it. And this thing is like, Cheryl, you wake up 20 times. And I'm like, okay, that's why I feel like I'm not refreshed. So um, what are your takes? I know we're kind of going off on a couple of different tangents. So guys, if, if anything that we have here makes you think of something, please post it. What are your takes on people like tracking their sleep with different sleep trackers? Like, like I said, the whoop strap, I think the whoop and the aura are like kind of like the gold standard right now, but do you have any else other things that you look at metric wise with that? There's one metric that I look at that Aura Ring and specifically Whoop will give you, but it's not specifically listed. It is called WASO, Wake After Sleep Onset. Okay. So 
what WASO is, guys, for you guys who use an Aura Ring or a Whoop Strap, this is very pertinent to you. I'm not sure if the Fitbit does it. I, the Garmin definitely doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. So each time that your strap, we'll call it, we'll just talk about the Whoop Strap for this one. Each time your strap dictates that you wake up during the night, that's wake after sleep onset. Sometimes you will be able to actually physically feel yourself wake up like you have to wake up to go to the bathroom. That's that's Wayso, technically. The, the real big thing with Wayso that's coming out right now is the more time that you have spent in Wayso, the less your sleep quality is going to be. And it makes a lot of sense if you're up multiple times during the night or for a long time during the night, it's called insomnia. Your sleep quality is going to be very, very, very low but this is the first time that these trackers have actually been able to show that directly to the user without the user having to go get a sleep study done and by the way i've not met one person who's done a sleep study that has slept well so not a huge fan of those yeah but sleep trackers i love them and hate them just like my fitness pal such a great tool that's commonly used without context Mm -hmm. agreed Yep. Yes. My fitness pal and type in that calorie calculator and spit out this percent. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. It leaves the user very predisposed to chasing that perfect score, that perfect sleep, that perfect balance between strain and recovery. Look, it's going to vary so much on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Having that objective information, again, it's super valuable, but the subjective information, how you feel, how you're physically performing, that matters a ton more. Yeah. So don't forget to include that in. If you're a sleep tracker, focus on how you're feeling and performing during the day. And then look for correlations in objective data that influences how you subjectively feel during the day. Yeah. Uh, Joanne just put a question up, and this is a great question because this was actually one that came to mind is, I was going to have you kind of dive into some of the factors that affect people falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking up refreshed. And this one specifically is a big one is, you know, and I obviously have a couple of thoughts, but I'm sure you could dive into this more. She, she mentioned what would make her wake up and not be able to fall asleep for about two hours, like the waking up and not being able to fall back asleep, you know? So this is one mm-hmm. that I think I, I know I deal with this and I, I, I kind of have a hunch of what mine is more related to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think hers is exactly the same. Um, so you can kind of go in on that, what you, your thoughts are. I mean, ultimately, I'm going to put an umbrella statement over all this. Yeah. Poor sleep quality is a stress management problem. Yeah. Now, the key is figuring out where that stress is existing. Mm-hmm. And there's three very distinct areas where stressors and sleep disruptors are mm-hmm. going to show themselves up. Your environment, your lifestyle and ultimately your hormone health. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to waking up at the same time and you can't go back to sleep for a couple of hours, my head initially goes to, there is something that's occurring with you that is very consistent. Mm-hmm. What that is, I don't know, but go back and do an audit on how your day flows. Is there something that you can pick out that's very consistent that you notice 
is matched up to you waking up. It's funny you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, for me, I'm going to be honest. It's heavy shoulder days. That yes. sounds so dumb. But when I do like, if I have a workout that has like over a hundred chest of bar pull-ups, some yeah. handstand walking. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the tension in my neck and my shoulders, but it is. Uh, oh, that's yeah. a huge one for me. So it's, it's, I think mine is a fitness related thing. And I've actually, I've recently started to associate like, all right, whenever I do a bunch of pull-ups, like I don't sleep well, whenever I do a lot of handstand walking, I don't sleep well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think other things that people dietary stressors are a big one. So this is why oftentimes I'll, I'll try and get people to optimize their meal before bed. It's like, all right, what are you eating before bed? Are you eating too much? Are you not eating enough? Are you getting a little bit of a blood sugar crash? You know, that can kind of, you know, and people are like, they wake up and they don't know why they're like tired and wired. Um, but, you know, all of it is, is so good. It's really good to, like he said, look at all the, all of the factors mm -hmm. around, around bedtime. Like what is going on in your day that you can kind of pinpoint. And so looking at dietary stressors, like going to bed too hungry can make you wake up in the middle of the night, you know? So, um, so can going to bed too fed, too fed. So, uh, environment and lifestyle. And I think stress, and I think that a lot of us, you know, tend to wake up and we are like, so stressed about going back to bed, but then our mind starts going into what we need to start for the day. And so I find this happens to me if I wake up around four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, Oh shit, I got to get up in two hours. And then I'm like, maybe I should just get up and start working now. And then my mind starts going into wake up and start doing things. And, um, and then I get to where I'm like, so that happened to me last night, actually, but I was able to say, nope, go back to bed. And that's what I did. I actually just laid there for about 30 minutes and I finally fell back asleep for like an hour. Um, so I love that. Cause that was one of my questions I was going to have you answer is what are some of the factors that affect staying, uh, staying asleep? Uh, what are, and I, and I kind of know my own, but what do you think are some of the common factors that have people that have a hard time falling asleep? So when you see somebody that's like, I lay in bed for an hour and I just, stare at the ceiling and I just can't fall asleep. They don't give themselves enough time to physically de-stress before yep. going to sleep. And not a lot of people know that your body about two hours before you actually fall asleep, it starts shutting down all of your quote activity-based processes and starts switching them over to recovery. That's a natural cycle. Unless you have some sort of medical issue that prevents that from happening, to which I know none, of none, mm -hmm. that's what happens all the time. The issue that a lot of people run into, and Cheryl, you touched on this with high performers and people who are go, go, go. Lots of people just go, 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 go. And then they try to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So their lifestyle is counterproductive to the recovery. <laughs> yeah. It's totally, that's my, that's my typical crossfitter. They go and they do a really quick workout and they leave. They don't do any kind of mobility. Don't get anything. It's like, yes, oh, relax. It, gotta bring that body back to normal. Yeah. yeah absolutely. One of the first, and this is kind of a question, but one of the first things I'll tell someone is having a hard time with sleep. I'm like, stop working after 8 PM. If you're trying to fall asleep at 10, no computer after 8 PM, you got to shut it off. Like nothing. Now, I, I have my own opinion about the whole technology and I'm going to have you actually talk about that a little bit. Um, but the technology stuff, you're like, Oh, I love it. Um, but nothing productive, nothing that's going to get the brain like really thinking and thinking into the next day. And, and if that means that you have to take five minutes at eight o'clock and write a list of the things that you didn't finish that day 
that you're gonna do the next thing that's gonna make you feel like you can put that to rest, that's really what people should be doing. I think that we all think that we can just go for 24 hours a day. I am that, and, and I'm honestly, I'm learning a different way now. I'm learning that that does not work for me. Nick, you'd be so proud of me. I'm like, that does not work for me. And I, I can't do that. I, I need to prioritize myself, my health, because it's not just this, oh, you're tired. It's no, your life is legitimately affected by poor sleep. You're anxious. Like I would, and I'm going to give my speech. I would go to the gym and cry in my car because I'd go in there and I had no motivation to do anything. I was so tired, so anxious from not sleeping. And it would, and then, it, and then you just get this whole stress ball rolling of this cycle of like, I'm not sleeping and I can't work and I can't, I can't be productive. And then it's this vicious cycle that you go into. So it's like, you're going to go through life like that, or you're going to take the extra two hours that you're going to spend answering emails at night, shut the computer off and be more productive the next day. You know, I told my client that I told this, I'm like, dude, just wake up two hours early. If that's really what you want to do, wake up two hours early. I'd rather you wake up earlier than sit there on your computer until 10 o'clock at night. So um, I love that. And this kind of goes into, I'm going to talk about, this actually goes into my question about the technology is, uh, Tracy wrote, can you talk about healthy nighttime routines? Cause as we're mentioning all of these factors that factor into our sleep, um, come down to our day to day, what we're doing throughout the day, all those things, how we feel like even body soreness is going to cause things. What are your suggestions for healthy nighttime routines? And I think we already just addressed one is like stopping work. I think about at least two hours. And that means anything like stopping doing anything productive, like two hours before you can go to bed. And I know this isn't going to be perfect for everybody. I'm going to have somebody complain. Well, I can't do that. I've got to take care of my three kids and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But optimal healthy habits is probably shutting down work. You'd say two hours beforehand. Yes, this is inherently, remember when I had you set your hard cutoff time? Yeah. Yeah, this is it. So going into the, the healthy routine for like bedtime, uh, Joanne, this is going to be very pertinent for you as well. Set a hard cutoff time. Like Cheryl said, at blank PM, blank o'clock, doesn't matter necessarily when it is, sometime in the evening, your work is done for the day. That's it. You're done. Ideally, this is an ideal. It's not always this way in real life. You'll want about two hours between your hard cutoff time and the time you go to sleep. Why does this matter? Well, it takes your body about two hours for actually to switch over to recovery processes and fall asleep. So we want to make sure that you are not impeding that process with your lifestyle basically. And another big complaint that a lot of my clients have given me, it's like, I don't have enough time for like the things that matter most. All right. We're going to create time for the things that matter most inside of that hard cutoff time. You're going to do whatever the hell you want. I don't necessarily care what it is. You can watch TV. Most of my clients love to watch Netflix at night. They all get great sleep. Doesn't necessarily matter too much. Some, it's family time because that's the time they have to spend with their significant others, their children, the whole, their, the whole nine yards. Whatever matters to you, whatever's going to de-stress you, relax you, do it inside of that hard cutoff time and go into bed. So that time, that's you time. 
that's time to reclaim your energy that you spent all day giving away to everything and everyone else. You cannot pour from an empty cup. Agreed. And I almost feel like people need to be setting up their nighttime. Just like, it needs to be just as important as the day as they start their day, right? Because people are productive in the morning. They get up, they shower, they get dressed, they go to work or they go to the gym, whatever it is. And then they need to take that same steadfast behavior to their evening. But it's weird to prioritize being productive to relax. But that's essentially what we're trying to do. We're essentially exactly. doing that. And that was something that I was going to add is I feel like a healthy bedtime routine starts in the morning. It, it really starts by in the morning saying, these are the five to six things that I'm doing today and recognizing that, okay, there's no possible way that all of those are getting done. So what's the most important things? That's really what it starts. And because we all end up, we're all squirrels. Most people that we we're all squirrels. We like, we're like, see, we have five things to do, but then we remember about that one thing and we get distracted. So it's legit, like getting those things done and being done. But a lot of us are, have a hard time with that. So I think that that's honestly something that you guys can all do is to start your day off saying, all right, I'm done working by 7 p.m. So what do I have to get done today before that? You look at your day and it's the stuff that we don't, just like I tell you guys with food, right? We tell you guys with food, like you got to take your, this. there's so many different transferences from taking control of your nutrition, like getting more controlled with what you're eating teaches you also how to be more controlled with your day to day. Like it's not just like, oh, let me get abs and get leaner. It's also like, hey, let me actually feel better. Let me be more productive in my day. So that was just a little tangent, but something that I wanted to definitely share um, about that stuff. So kind of want to shift gears a little bit. And if anybody has any more questions about that, because then we had questions about supplements too, but what do you find to be the biggest issues with people that don't get enough sleep? What do you find to be the biggest disruptors? And to add on to that, I, I kind of had the thought. Well, family, everything is ready for you. Take to actually start to see the negative effects of poor sleep. So, question one is like, what are most of the things that we're watching out for? Like the negative things that happen from poor sleep. I'm talking like blood biomarkers, hormones. Talking obviously performance and the, and the more obvious things, mood and everything like that. And then two, how long can we actually live in a sleep deprived state? you know, where before we actually start to see these negative factors happen. All right. So we'll start with question two. Now, do you mean live or simply exist? Because you ain't living yeah. if you're sleep deprived. Yeah, that's, you that's exist. A good point, right? Because you can, you can be living and, and existing on a sleep, a sleep deficit and not even realize it, just like people can be living in a calorie deficit and metabolically adapting and not even recognize it. Um, I guess what I, I guess the bigger question is like how long before we start to have any of the real negative uh, side effects of poor sleep, aside from just feeling sluggish, you know? It really depends because it's very closely to weight gain and weight loss. For example, like one night of poor sleep isn't going to hurt you. Your body should be, should be very resilient and it can adapt to that mm -hmm. as long as that the next night your sleep quality is high. The problem is that people, like you said, go from one poor night's sleep to a week to a month to a year. Typically, when poor sleep manifests itself, it, it hits you pretty quick within a matter of a few weeks that you'll really notice. You will feel it within a few days. You will feel it. We can all remember a time where we had two nights of poor sleep 
and it ruined the week. Yep. Like literally ruined the week. And that affects all of your body's internal workings. So your hormones, your internal processes such as, you know, digestion, nutrient absorption, excretion, it affects all that because your sleep-wake cycle, it's called your circadian cycle, controls every single aspect of your body, every single one. Your body, based off of its genetics, and you touched on this earlier, chronotype, has a certain time frame of when it wants to do things and when it wants to do other things. If we disrespect the way our body wants to do it, most, if not all, of the common health issues we see in America today will happen to you. It's crazy. Obesity, blood sugar dysregulation, type 2 diabetes, depression, all of these things that are plaguing Americans, we can tie to poor sleep quality because it literally governs every single aspect of our existence. It's, it's just so crazy because people don't ever give sleep. Like, I think we just all think that we're like bionic and like, we're just like, you know, made of just being the energizer bunny. And we just assume, just like with everything in life, it just, we just keep burning the candle at both ends until one day we wake up and we're like, wow, what happened? And you're dealing with all these issues. And then you're like, and now it's like, now it's time to fix the sleep. And now you're so far gone that you're like, you know, cause we all don't develop sleep issues overnight. You know, it just happens. Um, how do you feel like shift workers are affected by sleep? I don't, I actually have a couple of shift workers. I don't think any of them are on here right now, but the people that do this. And when you mentioned the circadian rhythm, I mean, what do they like, how do you, how do you manage that with your clients that you have that are shift workers? So funny that you say that. So a lot of my clientele are shift workers and an even larger part are flight crews. Yeah. Cool. So that's hefty. Mm-hmm. I've noticed there's two types of shift workers. They're the, one, they're the ones who just, they flow really great with it. Their lifestyle is based off of their shift work. That works really well. Then there's the other side that tries to have a normal life with their shift. Yep. That doesn't work out too well because your body cannot gauge a semblance of balance. Mm-hmm. Genetically, it may want to do one thing. Your lifestyle is doing something else. It can adapt to a point, but if it's constantly being juggled and thrown around, you are going to induce a very strong stress response and you will live in a stressed state, which is going to do negative, negative, negative things, terrible things to your health. And with shift workers, it seems that they're on one side or the other. There is no in-between with that. Ideally when I'm working with shift workers, if somebody's, if their whole life is based off their shift, I want to keep them doing that because there's at least a sense of balance that the body can't adapt to. And you might be wondering, well, we're not made to work at night. If you weren't wondering that, we're not made to work at night. So how could somebody have high levels of health if they're up all night sleeping during the day? Well, the circadian rhythm that every single one of us has, it is heavily governed by light, but there's a stronger influencer than light. It's when you put food into your mouth. We could all go live in a cave, complete darkness, and our bodies will keep a chronological time clock based off when we're eating. And it'll gauge us processes around that. So for shift workers, I place emphasis on when they are eating 
and we focus on consistency of when they are eating. Ideally, it lines up with their lifestyle. Yeah. I have a couple of shift workers and one of them I just cover because she doesn't like to eat in the middle of the night, which I understand, Mm -hmm. you know, but she also wasn't getting in enough calories throughout the day. So I've got her like kind of breaking things down. I've I've got like, essentially like, hey, your, your, my breakfast is your dinner. Like that's how you have to think of it. Um, I think that this all goes into some really, so question on that, is our circadian rhythm adaptable in that? Like, and I was going to ask you to kind of go over some of the processes that happen at night, if you can kind of go into that a little bit, if you want to, um, on like, you know, I know like a little bit about like, obviously our HGH production, IGF one factors, all that stuff, but like just kind of going over what happens at night when we're sleeping. Um, and is our, because I was just curious if those processes if they typically happen while they're asleep and it's in line with our circadian rhythm, those people that are up throughout the night and, you know, somebody had a question about uh, nap, we'll go into that too, but are they still doing those things throughout the day if they're sleeping or as long as they're getting that sleep in, is it the sleep that's more important or is it the time of sleep with that shift work and, and all that kind of stuff? So I guess question one is what actually happens while we sleep? <laughs> and then question two is, is, is that adaptable to our lifestyle? So I'll start again with question two. It is adaptable to your lifestyle, provided that you are doing it consistently. Okay. There's enough research out there now that suggests as long as that you have a consistent lifestyle, because our brains are creatures of habit, your health will be just fine. So when it comes to a lot of the recovery processes that come via sleep, such as like human growth hormone production, gut health repair, all that type of stuff, as long as that you're getting quality sleep, it doesn't necessarily matter when you are getting that sleep because time is a social construction. Mm-hmm. Humans made that to better gauge how we operate during our days. If we took time away, our bodies would still march to the beat of the drum that it's been beating on. Whatever you're doing consistently, yep. that's ultimately what matters most. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, this just kind of goes into what you're talking about the flight school thing. Cause I was, in, I was in Vegas, uh, last month and I, and I recognize this, this time around that I, when I travel, especially into another time zone, it is the, my body does not react well at all. And, but I adapted, I was there for eight days and I was working out at random, like very different times because the time was so different, but I adapted. And over the course of the week, it, it didn't even feel awkward anymore. So uh, that is very, very interesting. So kind of going into a couple of the questions before we, I want to kind of end on supplements. I know that's a big one is, um, I think that's really what the next question is. I'm looking at the questions. Let me see. Okay. So a couple of questions on melatonin as any any good sleep supplements and you don't you have a sleep supplement that you are like formulating i don't have one i have one i back oh the limitless pm (laughs) yeah yeah i yeah i actually i just i just i'm trying something a little different right now i i ran out of it and i'm i'm just taking right now i'm taking cbd with uh melatonin i'm just trying something different but uh, so questions on melatonin, and I actually want you to go into dosage if you could a little bit. Uh, ginkgo biloba, I've actually never really heard about that one for sleep. So I'm interested to hear about that. Um, also, if you, if, the, if you have a night where you sleep for four hours, but then the next day sleep at 
seven to eight, is there a thing? Okay. So about making up sleep. So can you, so let's go into that for a question first is, can you make up sleep? Like if you take a nap, um, or if you like have a couple of bad out, bad nights of sleep, and then you get a really good night of sleep, do you ever make up for the bad sleep? Uh, so, oh boy, this is a touchy subject. Yes. And no. Yeah, I know. Not the answer everybody's expecting. Can you like physically make up like if you didn't get an extra two hours of sleep well, tomorrow, will you get an extra two hours of sleep? Maybe, maybe not. More than likely than not. That said, we all have a mechanism inside of our head that gauges how much sleep we need. It's called sleep pressure, sleep drive, your sleep intensity meter. Those are the three terms that are used to describe it. So let's say you get one night of like just shitty sleep. It happens. Your sleep pressure is not going to go all the way down to let's say like zero where it normally would. It'll still be up at like two or three. Let's say it's out of 10. It's going to sit there. And then your day-to-day -day activities are going to increase that. And when it hits a certain point, it's going to say, okay, we're done. We need to rest and recover. And it'll start shifting your body into sleep mode. Let's say that you go up to like an eight, not normal, but you're at an eight. And let's say the next night you get really good sleep because you did everything that we told you to here and your sleep pressure drops down to zero. Did you technically make up for it in a way? Yes. Is it, is there a direct correlation? No. Yeah. I agree. I, I almost feel like what you should be really thinking about is like, when you have two poor nights of sleep, you're not going to be feeling very great. It's not. And then the next night you might have a really good night of sleep and then you feel great. You're it's that waking up refreshed feeling. If yes. that is a constant, consistent cycle that you're going on, as we mentioned, that's where that compounding effect is going to eventually catch up with you and your body's not going to be happy with that. Uh, and this actually goes into a question I have on top of this is, you hear about this and I, it's probably case by case, long naps versus short naps, right? So like, it's better to take like a 10 to 15 minute power nap and you'll have enough energy for another, like you've had eight hours of sleep versus sleeping for two and a half hours in the middle of the day. And, and then you're going to be groggy. Like that's like an old, like whatever you, you read about that, whether it's true or not. I mean, I know how I feel sometimes a 10 to 15 power nap if I can close my eyes and wake up, I often do feel like a little bit recharged. Uh, whether or not there's like a certain like ratio of like, if you sleep for 15 minutes, it's like eight hours of sleep. I don't know about that, but so long versus short naps. So the gold standard for naps, and this is, uh, this is an interesting one. It's about 15 to 20 minutes. There's a reason why, but they don't know inherently why it's 15 to 20 minutes. They just know it's a gold standard. After about 15, 20 minutes of being in your sleep mode, if you allow time after, your body's going to actually try to go through all of your sleep cycles. Mm -hmm. Now, think of that as basically going to sleep at night. But instead of sleeping seven to eight hours, you take your two-hour nap and you wake up in two hours. Yeah. You're cutting your body's ability to go through those sleep cycles. You're going to wake up feeling like death. Yeah. And I think it also promotes like poor sleep habits. It does. You start to get into that cycle again of like, oh, I didn't sleep. Well, I'm just going to take a nap. And then like, you're not going to be asleep. You're not going to be tired as fast. So that is yes. so, so true. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent for if I used to, when I used to coach 
CrossFit full-time, I would take like a 15 minute power nap every day. I would, I would literally 10 30 AM. I was like, boom, I'm out the door. I'd get to the house by 11. I would sleep for 15 minutes and then I'd get back up and go train. I didn't care if it took me an hour out of my day to make that happen, but I was just like, I needed that 15 minutes and it made so much of a difference for me. I know. So I don't do it very often anymore. I don't really have the time, but one of these days I'll get my little nap in again. Um, so kind of going into supplements. So obviously ginkgo biloba, uh, you can kind of fill me on what your thoughts are on that. Uh, somebody mentioned melatonin and then obviously any other other supplements that you recommend. And obviously I know like why, but like why we promote like the limitless PM. Cause I do think it's a great product. I'm just trying something different right now. I I've actually given it to a couple of my clients who I'm like, you need to be on this. Yeah. My stance on supplements, they're helpful but they're also commonly used as band-aids. Mm -hmm. If you're experiencing a problem with your sleep, and I mean a consistent problem, not here or there or whatnot, you're not looking to optimize. If you're expecting a supplement to fix your problem with sleep, you might, you might get some quick relief, but that quick relief will quickly disappear and you'll have an even uglier problem. I see this a lot with people who use melatonin, the most commonly used sleep supplement. Not too many people know, probably most people in this group do know because y'all are smart and you're coached by somebody very smart as well. Melatonin's a hormone. It's also your sleep hormone. That hormone controls all of your body's activities when it's sleeping. So when you're putting a hormone into your body, it's going to have what is called a signaling effect. It's going to tell other things to do certain things, how much to do it, how little to do it, when to do it, when not to do something else. You'll get short-term benefits from it. But if you consistently keep putting that amount inside of you, you're going to get diminishing returns because your body is going to become reliant on the artificial substance coming in and it won't produce natural melatonin as much. This is what screws a lot of people up. Because then once they stop, they're up all night. They can't go to sleep. They for sure can't stay asleep. It's the melatonin usage. Then you have to go through a, a very elongated cycle of using melatonin, then gradually cutting it down until your body begins to produce it naturally again. That said, if you're using it to optimize, if you're using it to give you a little bit of help when you need it most, by all means do it. There's nothing wrong with using a supplement. It just will not solve problems at all. What, what other supplements do you feel like people, sh- like like obviously ginkgo biloba, do you want to go into that? Somebody mentioned about ginkgo biloba. Have you heard it's anything about It's great for stress. It's really yeah. good for stress. But if you're not controlling your stress and right. owning your it- part in it, yeah. you ain't going to do shit. And then all you're doing is padding the supplement industry's pockets. I'm not a fan of padding the supplement industry's pockets. I'm a fan of solving problems. Can supplements help expedite that? Hell yeah. Yeah. I recommend a lot. Melatonin sometimes. That's more for my flying clients. Mm -hmm. Vitamin D, most Americans are deficient in that. And that regulates a lot of your sleep cycle and a lot of the processes that are influenced and controlled during sleep. Magnesium is another. If you're feeling high levels of stress and you don't know why, 
chances are your magnesium might be low. It doesn't hurt to supplement with magnesium since most of us are deficient in it due to our way of life, our diets specifically. Those two things, those are pretty much standard supplement recommendations for all my clients. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because that's what I normally, so I know Joanne, she's on, she's on magnesium. Most of my clients, I had them on magnesium uh, mm -hmm. just because I know that most people are deficient in it and it's really, it's harmless. You're not going to like take too much of it and like screw up any, you know, kind of it's, it's, you have to t ingest it. Your body doesn't produce it naturally. So um, it's good stuff. So um, I'm trying to think about anything else here. Cause I feel like I want to just keep asking questions, Nick. Just do it. Yeah, guys, fine. just raise your hand or interrupt yeah, us. You guys can feel free to like unmute yourself and talk um, anything like that. Any books you would recommend? Oh, on, like, on like sleep? On sleep books? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Yeah. Yes. Isn't there a chronic uh, book? Is there? No, there's not. So there is a book, Why We Sleep. That goes into a lot of like sleep 101, like elementary school for like why we need to sleep. That's a really good like foundational book if you really want to understand the all encompassing reason why we sleep. Because a lot of people don't know why we sleep. It's just something that we do at night. That's yeah. what a lot of people think. If you want to learn more, grab that book. It's very easy to read. It's very easy to digest. It is on Audible if you like listening to things instead of reading. That's me because yeah. I'm a squirrel and I read the same sentence over and over and over and over again. Never get yeah. Anyways, so I would start with that one. Anything else outside of that, you're going into high-level neuroscience. If that's your gig, message me because I'll give you some neuroscience to yeah. read. Yeah. <laughs> What about like, I, I, I just, just made me think about this because I was thinking about books in general and how when we mentioned this, I had actually bought a couple of paperback books because the whole like concept of like, you shouldn't be looking at your phone before bed. Mm -hmm. And this goes back into that falling asleep. Do you, how, what, is, what, are your, what is your take on the whole like blue light blockers and technology and, and all that kinds of stuff? Uh, blue light blockers, they're helpful and they're not helpful. They're helpful for people who are who their eyes are very sensitive to blue light. Some people are, some people aren't. Like I'm very insensitive to blue light. I can literally stare at my phone and go right to sleep in the dead yeah. of night, which every like sleep coach is like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. I just did. And my sleep quality is great. Then there's other people such as my sister who if she looks at her phone within like an hour before bed, it's going to keep her up. So if you are one who you're, let's say you're an office worker or you're on your computer a lot, you might want to invest in a pair of quality blue light blocking glasses. And I say quality because they're a dime a dozen now. Hate saying this, but they're under hundred bucks, probably getting ripped off. <laughs> I love Felix Gray's. That's what I use. I use them to help my eyes not strain themselves because I am on my computer a lot. I use it for eye strain, not necessarily for quality sleep. That's simply because I'm not sensitive to blue light. But if you're exposed to copious amounts of it during the day, or you're very sensitive to blue light, invest in a pair. It can't hurt you. It will only help you and make you look really cool. Yeah, that's why I mentioned that because I feel like, so I think I'm kind of like you. I don't think looking at my phone before bed hinders my sleep because it distracts me from thinking about busy work. So I can kind of 
be mindless. That's quote unquote, my Netflixing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I was asking about that. Cause I'm sure other people are like, oh, you're not supposed to scroll through your phone before bed. Well, if it's not negatively impacting your sleep and you can learn how to shut it down. So we all get into like that scroll, like, Ooh, one more, one more. Like we're just, you know, creatures of habit. Like we just want to see one more swipe. And if you can learn how to stop that and say, okay, it's time to put it down. Cause typically what'll happen is I put it down and I, I'm usually asleep in five minutes or less. Like I usually can put my phone down and turn my head and go right to bed, you know? So, um, definitely think that that was something that I just wanted to kind of touch on. Uh, and then I think the last question that I kind of wanted to kind of go over, because obviously this is a huge one is how does our sleep affect our body composition? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and our and our compliance with like obviously building muscle potential, losing body fat, because that's going to be obviously a big one for a lot of people. Yes. So if your sleep quality is low, good luck doing that. Just yeah. just good luck. Here's why, and I'll bring this down from thirty thousand feet to base level. When your sleep quality is poor, your body again it'll enter a stress state. And when it's in that stress state, your cortisol levels are going to be higher. So if you're doing intense training, your tolerances are going to be very low. You're already stressed. There's only so much your body can take before it starts literally caving in on itself and fighting back against you. If that's you, you'll see a lot less, how do I say this? A lot less like happy weightlifting for all of you guys that do weightlifting here. Your numbers are going to go down. Your ability to tolerate volume is definitely going to go down a lot. Now, when it comes to weight loss, this is more hormonal than anything else. When your cortisol levels are higher due to poor sleep, your blood sugar is also going to be higher. Your insulin levels are going to be ironically lower. That is due to just the stress response. In short-term occurrences, like a day here and there, Again, it's not going to make a big difference with your weight loss journey. But when you live this way for months or years, that's why the weight was put on to begin with. A stressed body is going to favor fat retention and absorption. Yep. Add add that your dopamine levels are going to be low. And humans love dopamine hits. It's what keeps us going throughout the day. You will naturally seek out foods that will give you that dopamine hit. And really, those are going to be foods that are higher in caffeine, sugar. Those are the big ones right there. There's a reason why Starbucks exists and the reason why everybody wants to grab a Frappuccino. I guarantee you every single one of those people is tired of shit. Yep. <laughs> when you lots do that, lots of caffeine. <laughs> right. And when you do that for years it puts on the pounds even more. Mm -hmm. And then you enter a very vicious cycle of basically diet-induced poor sleep on top of your poor sleep quality as is. It's a nasty cycle to break. Yeah. So for all of you guys who are embarking on a weight loss journey, quality sleep, that's weight loss 101. Mm -hmm. Until your sleep quality is very high, weight loss will not occur pleasantly. And it's a reason why a lot of people fail with diets, fail with weight loss, fail keeping the weight off, is they didn't address the root problem of why they put on the weight to begin with. It was poor sleep. 
Yeah. And it's, it's so like, this is so important. That I, and I loved how you introduced yourself today as like a nutrition, like a health coach, life coach, because, you know, I think that people, you know, obviously look at us as coaches, like, Hey, you're going to help me lose weight. You're going to help me get me leaner. And they think it's all about the diet. Right. And, and it's like, the reason I wanted you to come on here specifically is because so many people don't understand how important things like sleep and stress management and all that stuff is. And it's so much deeper than just your weight on the scale. It's like your body has to be optimized for you to have the body that you want to have, both the way it looks, the way it performs, the way you feel, all of that stuff. It's all connected. And, and I actually made an Instagram post today just talking about how like, it's not the weight that people are chasing. Dude, people want to have energy. They want to feel good. They want to be confident in the mirror. They want to look all of these things, but there's so much more to it than nutrition. And nutrition does play a huge factor in that, right? That's why we do what we do it, why we coach you guys the right way. Um, but it's really, really, really important for you guys to realize that optimizing your life will optimize the way you feel about yourself and the way you look. And, and the weight loss isn't the goal. Walking around feeling like a human being with energy that is excited every day in life is the goal where you can put on clothes and be like, damn, I look good, but I also feel good too. Like it's all part of the, the whole big picture for you guys. So um, anything to add on that, Nick, or anything else you want to add in? I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that one. I mean, yes, the weight loss is the objective goal. How you perceive yourself, how you feel, how you operate on a day-to-day basis, those are the subjective wins that every single person wants. And it's so much easier to accomplish those objective goals if you feel great more often than not. You don't have to go through your life feeling like dog shit. You don't. You don't have to keep dealing with sleepless nights. You don't have to keep dealing with sleep struggles or weight struggles or anything like that. Yeah. You remember that you're in control. And every single client that comes to me who wants me to help them with their sleep or weight loss, usually those go hand in hand. That's one of the first things that I remind them is that you're in control. You may have felt out of control because when you're sleep deprived, you're not going to feel in control at all. That's the last thing you're going to feel like. And that's okay. That's why we focus on sleep first. So you feel in control because when you have the proper amount of energy to go about your day, like how you're supposed to, adhering to like your nutrition plan, that's really easy. Going to the gym won't feel like a dredge. It'll actually be fun. You'll actually be able to do the exercises and not want to die afterwards. <laughs> now, I can't say that you won't be sore the next day. That I can't really help with. Yeah. But remember that you always have a choice. You are in control. Don't forget that. If you've been going through sleepless nights, it's okay. Accept that and just start doing just one thing differently. Yep. Start with that hard cutoff time. Just this is me time now. I'm done with everything else. It can wait till tomorrow because there's very little in this world that can't wait till tomorrow. But all the things that truly matter to us should not wait till tomorrow. I, I love that. Like, that's perfect. Cause that's exactly how I feel is like starting with one thing. And that is probably the most important is just having that hard cutoff time. Um, Nick, where can people, you have like a Facebook group that you do a lot of live trainings in. 
Um, I just put your Instagram handles at Nick Riel, right? R I E L L E. Uh, just to just the two L's. No E at the end. Oh, yeah. I don't know who that is, but if uh, they're impersonating me, please go. For it. <laughs> um, and then uh, if you have a free Facebook group or anything that you want to, obviously, whatever, because you're you're yes. super smart, dude. Like, thank you so much for doing this with us. Um, you know, but definitely because I know you have a wealth of information that you can share. So if you want to put that in there, you can or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I do have a private Facebook group. It's called Sleep Secrets. Oh, and Amy, to add to any books that you'd recommend, I can't believe I forgot my own ebook I wrote on sleep. It's called Sleep Secrets. It is the seven <laughs> sleep secrets. I was so engrossed in the conversation, I completely forgot that I wrote that. But they are the literally like the seven best kept sleep secrets that nobody is going to talk about. And inside of that book, I don't just give you the secrets. I tell you how to apply them so that you can actually get quality sleep starting the night you start applying them. You can find that book inside of my group, Sleep Secrets. And there is only one Sleep Secrets on Facebook. Okay. I actually sent a private message. I think, no, you're good. I got it all. Cool. Oh, awesome. I sent it to Dylan instead. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. It got up that's bad. I know. I, I, I think I just sent a direct message to Amber. Uh, Amber, you are so welcome. Um, guys, anything else to add? Any last minute questions? Dylan, even you, if you have any questions or anything. Yeah, you did raise your hand, Dylan. I do. Uh, so Go speaking ahead. of like how to start implementing things and, you know, the whole circadian rhythm, that it's a pattern, it's a habit, it's something that, you know, we've built up over time that like consistently going to bed at 2am or whatever. How long do we need to keep interrupting that pattern and making these changes before we start to see like the permanent circadian rhythm adjustments? Good question. So one of my products, no, this is not a plug for it, tangible answer to your question. So I've brought it out, it's called the Final Sleep Solution. When I ran the first beta of this product, every single person who went in there had some sort of circadian rhythm dysregulation. Everybody's sleep quality was shit. Everybody was just running on high stress. There was no semblance of balance. When they got the balance, when they applied the steps, it took them a couple weeks. And I would say it took them a couple weeks simply because they weren't consistent up front. I didn't expect consistency up front. But I'm, I'm very confident saying if they would have just went attacked at full steam and started applying consistently, a week or two. Does that depend on a lot of other things? Yes. Like if you have a medical condition, that's going to influence it. But here's the cool thing with sleep. So when you start making one small change that benefits your sleep, you're going to get results very, very quick. Results you won't see in like a weight loss program or anything like that. You're not going to have to wait that long, but you do have to be consistent with it. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, and I just will say it like, that's about what it took me. So I, when I actually, a couple weeks ago, I was like, I really started to dive into the chrono typing and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, all right, I started thinking back to when I was a kid. So this is how far you guys need to think back to your thinking back to your optimal sleep habits, right? I thought back to when I was a kid, like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. I thought about my sleep habits then. And I legit used to like argue with my mom, mom, it's almost nine o'clock. I've got to get home. I've got to go to bed. I've got to go to bed. Like I was always like, you don't understand mom. I have to get up by five 30 in the morning. I got to go to school. And she would keep me out too late. And it used to drive me freaking crazy. 
And I think back to then, and, and that's the other, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, and I think back to when I was coaching CrossFit, I was coaching at 5.15 AM. So I was in bed laying down by 7.30 PM to be asleep by eight. So I could be up by 4.30. Like that was my sleep pattern. So I'm like, okay, I need to get to bed earlier. So now what I've been doing is 8.30 PM, I'm in my bed. I scroll, I play on my phone a little bit. I might read an article or two on like, you know, whatever art I'm doing a lot of stronger by science stuff right now, like some stupid, like whatever. And, um, and then about nine, nine Oh two at the latest, if I'm whatever, I'm, I'm just going to finish up one more thing. I put my phone down and I don't look at it. And what I do, this might help some of you guys. I'm not sure if Nick's going to be a part of this. I've learned that I like to, I used to fall asleep with the TV on when I was a kid and I can't do that anymore. So, um, I just put a podcast on and not like a podcast with like a lot of loud music. It could be an audio book, something that's just something that I'm hearing in the background. And it makes me stop thinking about, I'm going to sleep. Now I'm just listening to somebody talk. And it's been honestly helped. It's been so helpful for me. Some people do white noise. I actually like hearing something like talking to me. And so that's what I've been doing. So my, my nighttime routine is I'm laying in my bed by 8.30 now. And I don't, don't feel ashamed for that at all. <laughs> so it's good. I think Nick just- Some people me. need- that noise and that's okay if you if you're someone who falls asleep better with noise just make sure it's relaxing no loud noises uh if you really want to go down on the like the brain science of this brain fm they're amazing with this stuff and they do it not just for sleep focus chilling out they have different categories of literally like sounds they've researched over the years that engage your brain waves in a certain way it's mind-boggling yeah. It's so freaking cool. Sleep is crazy, crazy cool. Like, so thank you so much for doing this, Nick. Like, I just feel like I could talk about sleep for a while now. So awesome. Well, guys, anything else to add, Nick, anything else for you to add tonight? Guys, just place yourselves first. I know that we're not taught that in society. Well, clearly that doesn't work. Putting yourself last doesn't work. Otherwise we couldn't have this conversation. Yeah. It's okay to put yourself first. It's okay to prioritize your rest and recovery because your ability to fill your cup is going to be directly proportional to the ability that you can do the things that you want to do and need to do to keep doing what you love doing. So guys, there's only one of you. We only have one life. Make sure that you're experiencing the fullest every single day by getting quality sleep. If you need help, Shell and I are here to be of value and an asset to you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. Um, Y'all are, you know, welcome to ask questions. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. And this will be on my podcast too. So if you want to share with anybody, you can, you gave a ton of value tonight. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it.